everybody. Welcome back. It's been a while since our last podcast. I do apologize, but due to lack of funds, uh, meaning that nobody pays me to do this shit, I did not do one over my London trip. London, baby! I did not decide to do one over the break. Um, So we're going to do a doubly wonderful one this week to make up for it. And by doubly wonderful, I mean uh, we're going to make fun of Dean a lot. And that will make everybody feel twice as good and fill that void of the last podcast that they did not get last week. So a couple of things here. We're going to do a couple of news items. And the big chunk of this episode is going to actually be looking at the recap of the draft. How did that go for everybody? And looking who made some terrible picks, who made some good picks, and analyzing kind of that process. That's always fun to do at the end of the year. We have a good idea of who busted, who broke out. Even now, like someone like Delvin Cook, you know, kind of a bust, but also now maybe providing some value. So I'll explain all of that as we get to it. But we do have some news items to go over first. And that first news item is Kareem Hunt. What a shocking turn of events. Can you believe that video? I mean, it's actually something that happened in February and actually came up in August. And I slightly remember it, not much of a deal. It was kind of like a half of a day worth of news. And it kind of just went away when Hunt was like, yeah, I learned from it. It's cool. I won't do it anymore. Um, and he didn't do it anymore per se, but the video that you get that video and you're done for. And uh, the Ray Rice video came out. I mean, we were looking at a couple of games suspension for Ray Rice until that video came out. I think Casey was saying it in the chat very, very well that if you get that video evidence, even if it's minor, minor stuff, but it looks like it does on a video or a TMZ or a, a pocket phone or whatever it may be, it, it just is the end. It's the end. You can get away with it if you don't get filmed. You can ask uh, Ruben Foster for that one or Randy Gregory, those guys, like they could get away with it. They still get suspended. Um, Zeke is another one. They get suspended, but once you get that video, it's over. When TMZ is starting to get it, it's over. So what a terrible turn of events for Avi, who is having a pretty magical season. I mean, we were looking at a chance for Javi to actually get to the championship game and win for the first time. Correct me if I'm wrong there. At least the first time since I've been playing in the league. I don't know if he's won, if he's won before. But that kind of is slammed shut today. Not only that, he probably loses a keeper and he has to go back to Julio. Although that's not a bad consolation prize, Julio Jones. But... Javi's magical season is probably over. If he doesn't have Kareem Hunt, he hit, it's, it's going to take some luck, <laughs> some very, very hardcore luck to get to the promised land. Also related to this is how ignorant Dean came off with his comments about this, saying that it should not be a career ender and that it's okay to hit women. And in fact, kicking them is the bad thing, but hitting them and pushing them and yelling at them and abusing them in any way is totally fine. And it's unfortunate that Kareem Hunt is going to have his career end. These are pretty disgusting comments from a disgusting person. And those pictures that we saw in the group chat really exemplify just how 
awful of a person Dean has truly blossomed into today. And his shots at the gays, also adding kind of the cherry on top. We've seen him make racist comments in the past. It's just not a good look for Dean, and I really do want to make sure that we at least look into putting him into an exempt list on our own fantasy league. I think G- Dean was joking. I'm going to be kind of serious here for a second. I think Dean's kind of just rubbing our, our feathers here. At least I hope he does. Uh, because in all seriousness, this is a horrendous thing. And it doesn't matter if she's a hood rat, uh, which we don't even know if she was or not. I mean, basically not off a of video. But to, to kick the person, man. I mean, I, I just can't understand what goes through their minds when they do things like this. It's it's infal- unfathomable for me. And I don't care that he's never going to play football again. I honestly don't. Um, <laughs> I don't. And it's not a shame. You have to do this. Otherwise, there's going to be more and probably worse videos coming out in the future if he only gets a two-game suspension or he's allowed to come back. Like you got to just end these guys' careers so that these people at least think twice before doing it. You know, or at least make sure, like I said, do it at home, behind closed doors, like all the old traditional people do. You know, Sarah beats me up a lot, but it's never filmed and I got no no evidence. Right, lawyers? You need the evidence. So anyway, what a disaster for Javi, a disaster for Dean as well. This week, though, let's get to fantasy football, get our minds off of that. It is a pretty eventful week in fantasy football, football for four people. For six of the people in the league, it is not eventful unless you care super much about the seeding. But for four people, Dean, Casey, Jason, Noah, and myself, the playoffs are in reach if they are able to win. And a win and in scenario in two separate matchups is pretty fascinating, to be honest. You usually have to look at another matchup, hope somebody loses, somebody wins. But it's pretty simple. If you win your matchup, you're in. If you lose, you're out. There's nothing you can do about it. So uh, that means that Charles and Jason Martinez will be out uh, of the playoffs this year. We'll get to why Charles is out of the playoffs. His draft was horrendous looking back on it, and we're going to go over that in a second. But those playoff matchups are going to be fascinating over the weekend. Casey off to a bad start with his Kamara, Breeze, Stack, and Amari Cooper. Although Kamara and Cooper didn't play horrendous, Drew Breeze throwing up a single-digit points is going to be Carson Wentz levels of disappointment, and it puts Dean in a really good spot. With my matchup, I am not super confident in my team. There's no fabricating that. I have thought many times that I was... 95 to 100% sure I was going to win. The Jason Martinez matchup comes to mind where I was like, wow, this is going to be a no-brainer. Favored by 40-something points in Yahoo. Loving the matchups, and it just goes to hell. So I I really am used to that this year. With that being said, if I had to choose one team to be of this matchup, I like my team with um, McCaffrey and Devontae and Antonio taking me hopefully home. We'll see. Right now, uh, Yahoo actually updated the projections and gave Antonio Brown like seven more points, so it's bumped up the projections to about 147 to 126 or so last time. I looked. I don't care so much about my total. I always like to look at the opposing person's total. If they're at 115, 120, 130, 
it's a danger zone. Like, there's definitely a chance that some explosions could take place with their players, a Thielen, a Aaron Jones. And uh, so I'm not supremely confident at all. It's going to be a great weekend, a lot of fun, or a lot of disaster for, for one of us. Also to mention, in the last two weeks, I know uh, Ernie suffered his first loss at the hands of Jason Noah, a truly stunning occurrence. Uh, if you were looking at this three or four weeks ago, you would never have thought that he would lose, let alone to Jason Noah. But the tides have turned dramatically for both of these teams. All of a sudden, Ernie's team looks a lot less scary. If Drew Brees and Michael Thomas are going to be... Uh, or. Uh, yeah, Michael Thomas is going to be playing like this and Gurley playing like he did last week. I'm not as confident as them, as Ernie winning the championship. If he was at a, you know, a 90% chance, I'd put it more at like a 75% chance now. That in addition to some of the teams that are going to make the playoffs are getting hot at the right time. My team is getting hot if McCaffrey is what McCaffrey has been doing the last three or four weeks and continues that. All of a sudden, my team does look a little bit scarier with those receivers. And if I could just find a freaking quarterback that scores 20 points, I would be in a really great spot. Um, so we'll see if I can figure that part out too. Anyway, no undefeated. Pop the champagne. Nobody even really mentioned that. I was kind of surprised. Maybe you guys did and I didn't get them over when I was in London. Um, by the way... Don't move to London if you want to watch football. It's really, really difficult for multiple reasons. Number one, it's not on TV anywhere. I had to literally go to Reddit NFL streams and get Red Zone onto my phone. And the games don't start until about 6 o'clock at night over there. That's when the games first started. We were actually at the tail end of our trip and we were really tired. So we were kind of just hanging out in the hotel room and there was a cool bar there. So I had the game on that way, but the 10 a.m. start games are like starting, so they start so late, like 5, 4, 35 o'clock, and then you get the afternoon games, and it's like 8 or 9, and then uh, they start, and then you have to wait until like 1 in the morning to get the Sunday night game, and it just takes forever. I was literally up, and the crazy thing is like I'm still, I'm still on California time, and watching that game, I'm at two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning, I'm watching the stupid Packers. Uh, what was it? A Packers somebody game, even though I already won. But anyway, that's uh, that's just some advice. We're moving on here. Um, oh, one last thing. I thought this was interesting. This is more for me, so please self indulge uh, me for a second. I'm gonna list some things that I would like to remember for next year. These are things that I've learned through the fantasy season this year that I think I'll probably forget when it comes around to next year. You could take these for what you will. Maybe you learned something from this as well or uh, or whatnot. But what I would like to do is kind of come back to this later. So anyway, here are six things that I've learned about the fantasy football world that we live in. Number one is to trust talent. Trust talent. It may not happen right away, but look at these guys their college film, that's important. Look at their highlights from the year before, preseason highlights, and just see, do they explode? Do they have skills that stand out? Do they look like they're different? Do they just have something about them when you look at their tape? College tape matters. Guys like Corey Davis, they looked sensational in college. And some guys 
like um, Derrick Henry. I remember looking at Derrick Henry, and his like he had great numbers, but he never looked like he was unbelievable. Um, and, and it kind of caught up to him. So trust talent that you see. Josh Adams is a big, big staple for this. Um, not so much in this league. Like Josh, sure, I mean you picked him up. It, I picked him up. It was great, but Josh Adams, I watched a lot at Notre Dame. And every time he got the ball in Notre Dame, he was getting six and seven yards and looked just, oh my, he looked amazing. And he looked like he was this beast of a man that was running over people and then running faster than everybody else by a huge margin. And I saw that a lot. And in a dynasty league, I mean, picked him up for, uh, at the beginning of the year, thinking he was going to be a huge pick. And, uh didn't get a lot of fanfare and here we are fast forward his talent has played out talent trumps everything else you just have to be patient Aaron Jones is another example where he's clearly more talented than anybody else on that roster it just took a long time for that to actually take place that leads me to the second one it's a long season so you're going to have weeks where we lose you have terrible weeks don't panic at that time trust your talent like I said and realize that you have a long time. Look at Jason Noah. He had a terrible start to the season. It was done. We all wrote off Jason. We put him last in the power rankings. We didn't even think about him when it came to playoffs. And all of a sudden, his team, if he can get in, is going to cause havoc. Leonard Fournette, Aaron Jones, Adam Thielen, Roethlisberger, Zach Ertz. These guys took a long time to get to where we're at today but they are looking really really good it's a long season don't give up don't drop guys just because of one bad week uh one other thing i've learned this year and i've known this in the past and one of the reasons why i'm doing this now is because i always seem to forget this i trust the matchups that i see on yahoo too much that damn red yellow and green if i see green i go i see you know top 10 against uh, points allowed versus running backs. I go, let's go. But that starts from the beginning of the year in Yahoo. And things change so quickly in the NFL that I find that it's much more effective to click on the team and see what they've given up to the position the last two or three weeks and not worry about what Yahoo's ranking is at. For instance, the New York Jets are like a yellow team they're like 17th against the run and you look at that in yahoo and you you trust that it's correct and it probably is actually correct in in terms of on the season but then you look back on what they've given up the last couple of weeks and it's just like 200 yards rushing combined 180 yards combined and you're like okay this matchup is green it's good it's really really good but if you just look at yahoo you see yellow you see uh, it's okay and if you have kind of an okay versus a great matchup you might mistake uh, what you see there so if that makes sense like look up the matchups on your own another good example of this is seattle okay seattle against tight ends are red they're like 29th to play against if you have a tight end but then you look at who they've actually played and the Rams, don't, they played the Rams twice, the Cardinals twice, and uh, the Niners, I don't think they played the Niners yet. So basically what has happened is that they've played 
almost no decent tight end. And so, yeah, they've stopped him because they have K.J. Wright and Bobby Wagner, who are amazing linebackers, and they're stopping the tight end. But they haven't played any good tight ends. Now K.J. Wright is out. They're playing George Kittle this week. Like, this is a matchup that I should be scared of if I look just at Yahoo. It's a big red thing there, but I'm, I'm not. Now not that I've looked at and seen who they've played the last couple of weeks and who is out. Um, so, yeah, that is the kind of a long... I hope you understand what I'm saying there. Uh, another thing I've learned is that the coaches trump players. Uh, coaching is a huge deal in the NFL. If you have a crummy coach, your player will suffer because of it. If you have a wonderful coach, and there aren't many... There are very, very few. But if you have a great coach, your players will rise up. It's, I, I mean, again, the players are the players. The, you know, their talent is going to be the most important factor. But coaching is very important. Andy Reid is a perfect example of this. Andy Reid has been a phenomenal fantasy-friendly coach for decades now. He is predictable. He is effective. And he is not going to do some crazy thing like Belichick does or Doug Peterson does. He has been uh, at the front edges of innovation as well, and it's paid off for guys that invested in Mahomes, Hill, Kelsey, Hunt. (laughs) Uh, So coaching matters. Um, Matt Nagy in Chicago is taking Mitchell Trubisky, who I never thought was very good, and he's made him a quarterback one and had Tariq Cohen and a bunch of other players be relevant throughout the fantasy season. So if you have a good coach, you have a good chance. If you have a crappy coach, like um, I think Vrabel, I don't know if Vrabel's a good or a bad coach. Maybe I'll sound stupid, but I don't think he's good in Tennessee, and Tennessee has been all sorts of unpredictable. So coaching is very important. Get guys that are on good coach team. Sean McVay, another great example. Like, Know the good coaches and get those players. One small thing, and this is taking a little bit longer, but I hope you find it interesting. This is what I've learned. Maybe you've learned this too. But rookie wide receivers take time. Rookie running backs do not, okay? If you love a rookie receiver, be willing to stash them for weeks. Don't give up on them, okay? DJ Moore, Cortland Sutton, these guys, they, they take time. And sometimes it takes two to three years for them to get really busted out. But talent will come through. You just have to be patient with those rookie receivers. It takes a long time. Rookie running backs, however, if they are in a good situation, they don't have much of a learning curve. Nick Chubb being the great example there. Once he was plugged in, it was go time. It's not like he was struggling at the beginning and then figured it out. He is good to go right at the stop. Carry on Johnson, good from the start. Okay, these guys... If they're in a good situation, they will be good quickly. And finally, the last one, two or three players will beat a woman at some point in the season. Just pray to God that it is not your players. That's why I draft Stanford and Notre Dame players. They often do not beat women and thus miss fantasy football games. Okay, so that was a long time. I don't even know if anybody cares about what I've learned, but there's some some takeaways that I've learned about this year. Now, let's go to the draft. The draft is the most important roster foundation for everybody. There's no doubt about it. You can change your team dramatically from the draft, but ultimately you're using the players you drafted to do that, and it comes down to this, and it's very, very clear. After going over the draft and seeing some of the people who had a really crappy, crappy? What's that accent? Crappy draft. 
they had crappy seasons and we'll get to all those we'll get to each draft individually what i want to do first is go over round by round some of the winners and losers of the draft so round four uh, i skipped to round four because round two and three everybody kind of got players that were pretty good and there wasn't many surprises perhaps an injury or two uh, of course, there's Le'Veon Bell. We've talked about that enough. But when round four and five and beyond come around, then you're really starting to get values. Uh, so round four, Ernie picked Juju Smith-Schuster. That was uh, a phenomenal pick in round four. It seems silly now that we all passed him up for four rounds. And uh, same with Adam Thielen, who was coming off of a good year last year. We all kind of, I think, passed on him, not thinking he could repeat it. He got even better, which is crazy. And Jason was able to scoop him up in the fourth round. Those guys might be second round, first round talents next year. In the fifth, however, those same two guys made bad picks. So you have Ernie taking Derrick Henry. That's been a bust. He hasn't provided much value all year. And Jason has picked uh, picked Royce Freeman, who uh, kind of in the fifth round for Royce Freeman now seems pretty crazy. He was a guy that you know, I'm thinking about dropping at times when he's on my team. I traded for him. I traded a defense for him. <laughs> so, like, that was clearly a bad pick in the fifth round. Moving on to the sixth round, Jason made another bad pick. And why you can see a season kind of started out crummy. He made two bad picks in the first six rounds. That's that's very detrimental. Robbie Anderson was a complete and utter useless bust this year. I don't even know where. Uh, if, I think... Robbie is probably still available, but uh, that was a really, really bad pick in the sixth. Richard had a wonderful pick in the sixth, though. Brandon Cooks. He got Brandon Cooks in the sixth round. Wonderful value there. Again, it seems silly that we passed on these guys for so many rounds, now looking at what we know now. In the seventh round, uh, Rich made a shitty pick, (laughs) kind of negating the value he got with his sixth round pick. He picked Alfred Morris in the seventh round. That seems ridiculous. Now Morris not even playing. Losing out to what Jerry Smith Jr., <laughs> Jason Smith Jr., something like that. Uh, so Alf was a bad pick in the seventh, especially when you see some of the guys that are going to go after. Ernie with another great pick, Robert Woods. He got Robert Woods in the seventh pick, and he's probably a top ten receiver, if not higher, this year. A wonderful pick. But with every good pick, comes a bad pick with Ernie it seems like he picked Jordy Nelson in the eighth round for as wonderful as his draft was those are two big boneheaded no not but I don't want to say boneheaded because I liked those two guys I liked Henry at least but Jordy and Henry I mean if he nails round five and round eight he's undefeated this year but Jordy Nelson in the eighth was a big big no-no in the ninth carry on Johnson for me I think was a really great pick carry on is definitely going higher than the ninth round next year. He's hurt now, I get it, but man, he's been really very good for the whole season. And Rich with another Rams receiver, Cooper Cup, that was a phenomenal pick in the ninth round. I know he's injured now, but man, the value he got for a ninth round player there is very tough to pass up on. Round 10, Justin with a pick. However, he kind of botched it because that 10th round pick was Sony Michelle, who he dropped I think before uh, the first week of the season and that was a boneheaded move so but what a great pick you saw it you you read the hype but you just didn't you weren't patient you weren't patient it's a long season that was the second thing we've learned 
Uh, Chris Carson by Casey in the 10th round was a really, really good pick. Chris Carson has been pretty darn good for a running back to get in the 10th round. That was a really nice pick by Casey. It's something he needed to have because don't forget he kept Devontae Freeman as his keeper. That's uh, tough to overcome when your keeper is out for the year. Ask Jason Martinez. Round 11, another great pick that turned boneheaded when Dean selected Marlon Mack in the 11th. He even named his team after Marlon Mack and still proceeded to drop him and get no value out of this pick, although it was a fantastic pick now looking back on it as Marlon Mack in the 11th is a, is a great deal. In round 12, we get, this is crazy. So those guys are like, oh yeah, Marlon Mack's okay, Chris Carson's okay, but watch some of these names that start to take place after round 12, okay? These are guys you could have gotten 11 times before, okay? So round 12, Pat Mahomes, of course, to Justin. What a pick, probably one of the greatest picks in the history of our fantasy draft. Patrick Mahomes in round 12. Aaron Jones also went in the same round to me. I, I'm going to admit it. It was a boneheaded move. I traded Aaron Jones a little bit too early. I did not uh, learn that it's a long season, and I did not know that t- talent would play out. So I did trade him a little bit too early. I would love to have Aaron Jones now, but I did pick him in the 12th round. That was a really, really good pick for me. I just <laughs> fucked it up. In the 13th round, the only other pick that could rival the Patrick Mahomes pick is James Conner, an RB1 for most of the season. He probably still is, although he's been struggling lately. Maybe he's hitting a wall Kareem Hunt style. (laughs) Hopefully not as much as Kareem Hunt does in his career, if you know what I mean. But what a pick in the 13th round. There was a lot. It was a little risky when he did it, just because we all thought Le'Veon Bell was coming back, but he wasn't. 14th round, Matt Breda by me. I picked up. He's been fantastic this year. In the 14th round, I think that's really good value. OJ Howard was drafted by Ernie. (laughs) Ernie had OJ Howard. I believe he dropped him before he had some big games. But still, if he could have kept OJ Howard to go along with Kelsey, he had trade capital. He could have traded. That, That was scary to think. Javi in the 14th picked Kenny Galladay. Super smooth. Kenny G. And what a pick for him. Kenny Galladay looks like a true number one receiver in the NFL. Well, he may not be a fantasy wide receiver one yet. He definitely looks like a number one receiver that we will take much, much earlier than the 14th round next year. That was a really good pick by Javi. Very impressive scouting there. In the 15th round, look at this round. This is the last round that we were able to pick players. This is the best round of the draft in terms of value. Okay, because you have Jason Noah picking DJ Moore, who now is a a huge, valuable number one receiver for Carolina, um, picked in the 15th. Nick Chubb. Do you remember who drafted Nick motherfucking Chubb? It was Ernie. Ernie had drafted Nick Chubb. He gave up too early. He didn't listen to me. That talent ultimately plays out, and that rookie running backs are good to go when they are... Uh, inserted Nick Chubb. He could have had Nick Chubb, OJ Howard to go along with what he has now. That's a scary thought. A Chubb, girly combo man right now. looks really good. Rich had a uh, Tyler Lockett picked in round 15. That's been a really nice player. Um, and Javi with George Kittle in the 15th. I, it seems crazy. We all let George Kittle go to the 15th. I liked George Kittle too going into the year. Um, but I put my chips on the Trey Burton train, which wasn't bad, but George Kittle, man, in the 15th round 
what a phenomenal pick for Javi. So Javi, 14th, 15th round. Maybe two of the greatest 14th, 15th round picks of all time. I'm just saying that because I literally have no other idea who anybody has ever picked in the 14th or 15th round. But Javi, really impressive stuff there. So I said a lot of people's names. I did not say a few people's names. So I do want to go individually to people's drafts as I check my time here. Oh, we're doing good. Okay. So the first draft we're going to go over is Casey. Casey is on the brink of missing the playoffs. He's had a up and down season, more up at the beginning and more down lately. He missed. So what I'm going over are the wasted picks, picks that you just got almost zero to no value from whether they became hurt or whether they cost you weeks because you put them in when you thought they'd be good and they sucked or because you spent too early of a pick on them, sort of just wasted picks. If you have too many wasted picks, your team, it's too much of a hill to climb, if that makes sense. And you can't have more than two to three if you want to be a championship team, I think, in my mind. Although we'll see Ernie's team. <laughs> um, Casey, he missed on his keeper. That, I mean, what can he do? That was, I mean, I think he had AJ Green. No, I don't remember who else he had, but ultimately that turned out to be a disaster. Le'Veon Bell type of disaster. Um, he also picked Devin Funches, which has been almost completely useless for him this year. And Delaney Walker, who got hurt, not a, not his fault per se, but three wasted picks with one being a keeper, which is probably worth double. So about four wasted picks for Casey on his draft. Pretty tough. So again, you can't have wasted picks because even if they're still not on your team and you use them for something later and you got value out of that, that's still useful. Like if you would have traded Delaney Walker for somebody early in the season before he was hurt and got value, it's not a wasted pick. Yes, but for our purposes, four wasted picks in a draft of 15 rounds, that's, uh, you know, that's some math that I wish I could do in my head to give you a percentage, but it's not a very high uh, percentage of success when we want to get to the 90, 95% success rate. Jason Noah. This might surprise you a little bit. Jason Noah only had three wasted picks. And one of them was in the 15th round with Sam Darnold. So I don't even know if you could count it. But they were Robbie Anderson, Alan Hearns, and Sam Darnold. The problem is Robbie Anderson and Alan Hearns were taken pretty early. I think it was the 5th and 7th round or 6th round or something like that for those two players. And... When you miss two picks that early, you can see why you're going to struggle at the start. He's able to turn it around, which is actually a really high praise of how he's managed his team this year. I think if there's a manager of the year, it might be Jason Noah. Like, the trades that he's pulled off have worked out really well for him. He's picked up some really good guys after a pretty crappy start of the draft. I mean, there's no doubt about it. When you miss... You know, two of your first seven picks is what ends up happening. That's a tough hole to dig yourself out of. However, he made up for it because not wasting picks in, you know, those later rounds is also important. So this is why he's been able to turn it around. It makes sense. Now kind of we have a narrative for this. Ernie, this is interesting because Ernie is a, a one-loss team. You think, wow, he must have hit every pick over and over again. He didn't. What he did was just hit the picks that he was supposed to, and they've actually gone even better than they were supposed to, like Gurley, Juju, Kelsey, 
Michael Thomas, all those guys have outperformed even like their best season so far. But he missed one, two, three, four, five picks in the draft. This is scary. If he even hits on half of those picks, instead of missing five, there's no chance we beat Ernie this year. But because he's missed five picks, and here they are, Derrick Henry, that was a bust. Jordy Nelson, a bust. Duke, Duke Johnson has been useless, and Des Bryant hasn't even played a game. I also have Greg Zerline in here because he was hurt, and he picked him in round 10. Okay, You could have had a lot of other players in round 10, like Sony Michelle, Chris Carson, Marlon Mack, Pat Mahomes, those guys. <laughs> Man, imagine Ernie with Pat Mahomes on his team and not Cam Newton. That's scary. So this is why we don't pick kickers in round 10. <laughs> so that was definitely a waste to pick. Round 10 seems late, but it's not that late when we look at some of the players that are going to go after. Jason Martinez had a horrific draft. <laughs> it's probably the worst. There's only one other guy that had perhaps a worse draft. And Jason is already out of the playoffs, so it's not a surprise. Number one, he missed his keeper. That's probably worth two. He missed Pierre Garçon. That was a bust. Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt. was a bust. He picked Jacksonville defense in like round 11 which ended up being horrific because they suck. He picked Keelan Cole. That was a bust. He picked CJ Anderson. That was a bust. Antonio Gates. That was a bust. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven players plus a keeper that gave no value. No value. Now, to be fair a little bit, he was able to trade Keelan Cole for something, but all those other guys have been completely pointless. And that's why Jason had a tough season. You could overcome that if you don't miss your keeper. Unfortunately, through no fault of his own, he missed his keeper, and that's why this has been a nightmare season for Jason. My pick, my draft, actually went really, really well. Um, looking back on my draft, and you feel free to tell me if I'm wrong, I only have one bad wasted pick, guys that I didn't get value for, and that is LaShawn McCoy. And even that's sort of debatable. I mean, I, LaShawn McCoy has been okay. I still wouldn't mind having him on my team. But that was definitely a waste to pick because it was a fourth-round pick. I could have had a lot better fourth-round pick. But other than that, if you go back through my draft, I promise you, I was, I was not trying to. I'm not trying to chew my own flute. I hope you guys realize that I'm never trying to do that. I, there's no point of trying to tell you how great I am when I'm five and seven. Like I'm not trying to say that. But to be honest, my draft went really, really well in terms of wasted picks. I got value out of every pick that I had. I think all the way from start to finish. So, um, Justin had probably the second best draft, in my opinion, in terms of wasted picks. He only had two wasted picks the entire draft, and then we also throw in those Mahomes and Connor picks. So he, it's probably a good argument that he had the best draft. Um, his wasted picks were Greg Olson, who got hurt and has been pointless since he's gotten back, and Jordan Wilkins, who I guess is still relevant in a way, but... Um, I'm never, you know, never got really much value for Jordan Wilkins. But other than that, Justin's picks were really, really solid throughout, uh, throughout the, all the picks. So um, you can see why he's near the top here. That was a really great draft. Javi had a wonderful draft, a, a, a draft where Yahoo usually loves what Javi does. And in this case, it, it was pretty accurate. Javi had a wonderful draft. He missed on Jay Ajayi through no fault of his own through an injury, although Jay Ajayi never was really great anyway. Um, Evan Ingram has been a, a bust, a waste to pick. And that's debatable. You're like, oh, Evan Ingram's been okay. Maybe you got some value. But he picked Evan Ingram really, really early. It was like round seven or round eight. So that's why I included him here. 
it was definitely a wasted pick for that high for Evan Ingram. And Rashad Penny has been pointless minus one week, which I don't think he played for Javi on that one week. So um, only three wasted picks, though, for Javi. That's a really solid draft. And you put into that, uh, you know, Kareem Hunt up until this point was being awesome. You can see why Javi's had a really magical season. Dean had one of the worst drafts, too. Uh, not the worst. I'll save my worst for last. <laughs> and um, here's some of his ways to pick. He picked uh, Marquez Goodwin, which has been a, a disaster pick for him. And he picked him very early. I believe it was the fifth round or maybe the sixth round. So that's really early for Goodwin. Um, he also picked Jarvis Landry. I just kind of threw Jarvis Landry in there. I don't think he's a wasted pick. He's definitely provided some value, <laughs> but I think that was kind of fun to put in there. But Chris Thompson was a wasted pick. He, um, he had Danny Amendola, which was a bad pick. Uh, although, I mean, I guess he could have played Amendola, but he picked him pretty pretty early. That's a guy that always should be on the waiver wire. And he picked Cole Beasley. That's another guy that, like, fine, yeah, he's okay. You can play him for six or seven points at times, but he's a guy that you can find on the waiver wire any week. So, uh, to me, that those are all wasted picks. You want upside guys. Cole Beasley, Danny Amendola's of the world. Why pick them? They're just going to be other guys just like them on the waiver wire. You got to go for your OJ Howard type of guy here. Tyler Lockett type of guy, guys that can explode. So, Dean, a pretty piss-poor draft there. That's five wasted picks, in my opinion. The worst draft of the year goes to Charles. So, while Jason had probably more players when it's all said and done that were wasted picks, he also had a keeper that he had no control of. Charles's picks are all terrible <laughs> because he picked them. Here they go. Doug Baldwin has been really, really pointless and wasted for him. Rex Burkhead played one game. Jamison Crowder has been horrific. Mike Williams, awful. Ronald Jones, horrific. Devontae Parker, one good week. One, two, three, four, five, six wasted picks for Charles. Charles, usually a savvy, smart owner with his drafts. This is the worst draft he's ever had, bar none. And I think he'll be the first to agree with me. And it's no surprise why he's missing the playoffs for the first time in a couple years. A really, really bad draft, Charles. I'm sorry, you get the worst draft of the year award. And finally, Rich had a pretty above average draft. He picked Chris Hogan, which was a disaster. Alfred Morris turned it out to be a pretty bad pick. Uh, Tevin Coleman I put on here because he's a guy that you picked pretty early and has cost you many weeks because of his ineptitude when he's pulled out fullback duty. He's been horrific. Horrific. <laughs> and uh, he's cost you some weeks. So to me, that's a really bad value. And Tyler Eifert, I uh, love my boy Eifert from Notre Dame, but unfortunately, that's a wasted pick, too. That's four wasted picks. So looking over this, it's pretty clear that I think Justin and myself had the best drafts. Now, I'll freely admit that I made some trades that I shouldn't. And that's kind of one of the things I'm also going to try to remember is uh, not to trade <laughs> so much unless I'm getting something that I really, really need and want. Um, so I, I had a great draft, and I kind of fucked it all away. Now, to be fair, I was losing at the beginning of the season to guys that were scoring huge amount of points, and I sort of panicked. And I got to realize that it's a long season, that averages do start to take hold throughout the season. Um, but anyway, I think Justin probably gets the award for the best draft this year when he takes uh, Mahomes in the 12th and Connor in the 13th plus not having too many wasted picks as well. So I think Justin gets the best draft. I get second. Um, Justin, uh, I'm sorry, 
Javi probably gets third. For the worst draft, Charles is clearly the worst, although it's close with Jason. Perhaps you can argue. I don't think so. I think Charles had clearly the worst draft. Jason had the most unlucky draft, but that also means that it's probably the second worst draft as well. So I thought that was some interesting stuff to go over. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. But that was a super duper double filled fun episode where I made fun of Dean. And uh, maybe I'll do so at the end here um, as well. Um, Dean is, uh, is probably going to get fat now, I think, right? I mean, is that pretty clear with his injury? Um, so all of his comments he made about Charles and myself being fat, uh, he's actually going to become fat, and then he's going to have a kid at some point, and he's going to become double as fat, and I'll have good money that Dean will weigh the most out of all people in this league in five years. In five years, I would like to take a bet, do a weigh-in, and I bet, muscle or no muscle, I don't care what, Dean will weigh the most. He will have the most amount of mass <laughs> in five years. Anybody want to bet me on that? Anybody? What are the odds on some of the other peoples in the league? What, if I had another person on right now, it would be fun to kind of put odds on people. I feel if I put odds on people right now, everybody's going to hate me. Um, I wonder who weighs the most right now in the league. That's an interesting question. I know how much I weigh. I weigh, I think I'm in the top three, to be honest. Um, I don't know. Interesting. We'll have to see. We'll make some guesses. And one day we'll find out. But in five years, Dean will be the fattest of all of us. And um, he probably will be in jail because of his views on hitting women, on his views on the uh, LGBT community and his racist views as well. Most likely his racist views will get him beat up and his views on beating up women will get him arrested. But ultimately, Dean's life is in the pooper. His fantasy team may also be in the pooper this year. And that's going to do it. So hope you enjoyed this episode. It was uh, kind of a, a crazy one in terms of me talking a lot. My voice is very sore right now. Although I don't know if my voice gets sore or my throat sore. What's, what's the correct saying there? I'm not sure. But anyway, um, good luck to everybody. The four players that are really intense uh, for this week, good luck to everybody. Let's hope nobody just has injuries or like Jameis Winston just doesn't get pulled in the third quarter and, you know, Adam Thielen doesn't get killed. Well, I mean, I kind of want that. But, I mean, I just want some, you know, no excuses. No excuses. I just want the right people to be in the playoffs, whether it be me or whether it be the other two uh, other three guys. So good luck to everybody this weekend and playoffs are starting next week. We'll do a playoff preview next week. We'll see. We'll make kind of a, uh, uh, maybe we'll, we'll do a NCAA tournament prediction game or something like that. Maybe we can do that. So anyway, that's going to do it for me. It's good to be back in the States. Good to be back on the podcast. I'm ready for some football in my old neighborhood here in uh, Lisa Viejo, California. Good luck, everybody. I'm out. That's a commercial. I have to keep talking. <laughs> Stupid commercials. So, what else can I talk about with Dean? Um, I'm in my car, by the way. My professional way of doing things has kind of gone off the hillside. So, um, anyway. Who's ready for baseball? Yeah? Anybody? Baseball? There's no songs on the radio here. This is great podcasting. God, you know what? Commercials are the worst.
I am going to keep filling the air until I find the first song. What is the first song? That's not a song. <laughs> Anything. That's a commercial. I just want outro music. Oh my god. Every commercial in the radio right now. This is why I should not be poor. There we go. Okay. Let's try this again. I'm out. Sorry you had to hear that, everybody. That's that's the background. That's the behind-the-curtain scene of podcasting. Don't trust FM radio. Ever. Peace out. fuck me Taylor Swift as outro music I apologize guys this podcast was brilliant until the end so I usually make fun of people you know what go fuck yourself Alex what the heck spend five minutes and get a professional recording studio Staring at the sunset, red lips and rosy cheeks. So bad. So bad. God damn it. All right. I'm out for reals.